what I believe was the title of two separate essays by the philosopher Bertrand Russell and the novelist E.M. Forster in the early 20th century. These two humanist activists set out their approach to life, their fundamental worldview, in a way that was accessible to all. I'm Andrew Copson, Chief Exec of Humanists UK, and in this podcast I'm talking to humanists today about what they believe, to understand more about the values, convictions and opinions they live by. Eddie Marson is an award-winning actor who began his career in television in the early 90s before moving into film and has starred in many well-known hits, including Gangs of New York, Sherlock Holmes and Mission Impossible 3. Too many to list here. He's worked with directors from Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg to Woody Allen. And more importantly, of course, than all of that, he's a much-valued patron of Humanists UK. Eddie Marson, thank you for joining us on What I Believe. Oh, my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, I've noticed that for a lot of people, when we start to talk about their values, their beliefs, their, their ways of living, how they've arrived at their views on things, one of the things that's very important to them, of course, is their upbringing. And I thought we'd start there with you, because although today you're uh, an actor, very much immersed in, uh, in the world of, uh, of, of literature and uh, show business and acting, you had um, a very different social origin. And I've read interesting uh, interviews with before where you've, you've talked about that and in particular you had very working class origins and I wonder if that had any particular effects on your own values and beliefs. Yes, yes it, it, it did. I was raised in Tower Hamlets which uh, is probably the most diverse, racially diverse and culturally diverse borough in the country and on a, on a very superficial level my family appeared to be white working class, although my my great-grandfather came from Trinidad in, in, in the beginning of the 20th century. He was a, a merchant seaman and he settled in the East End. And, and, and on my mother's side, my maternal, my maternal grandmother was born, uh, was born in Gibraltar and her mother was Spanish. So I was always aware that, that our identity as white working class was... On a, was quite superficial, even when I was young, really, from the stories we heard. Growing up in an area which is very, very diverse, where there's lots of immigration and lots of different cultures, I think the white working class, from my, from my experience, roughly about 30% of them adopted a racist tendency. They became members of the BNP or the National Front and and then there was a certain percentage who kind of were neutral. And then there were those who embraced multiculturalism and embraced um, their immigrant neighbors. They, they lived with them and they kind of uh, accepted them. And I think now you, you see it now in, in a lot of urban areas now in London, you see a lot of mixed race children, which are the results of, it's very interesting. They say that the highest level of racial integration is between the white working class and other immigrants, but the right, white working class are also known to be the most racist. So it's a very, in a, in a sense, it's a very honest, visceral response to change. You either, you're repelled by it and fear it, or you embrace it and love it. You know, there's not a great, <laughs> there's no great yeah. intellectual debate about it. You either want to yeah. fight somebody or you want to go out with them, one or the other. 
<laughs> I suppose that's because you're forced to be there. That you've got you're no choices. Like wealthier people can move somewhere else. You're there, and you've got to make that choice, one or the other. Yeah, it's not an academic choice. It's not. It, poverty doesn't give you an opportunity to become detached and make an assessment. You have to. You 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 don't respond to things. Poverty doesn't allow you to respond to things. It only allows you to react to things. You know. Um, mm. But my my parents, when I was young, my parents had a very very difficult marriage. And they went through a very, very difficult divorce for many years. And my, and my home life was traumatic at times. There was times when it was good, but there was times when it was awfully traumatic. And I kind of took refuge within a St. Lucian family that, that lived on the same estate as me. Um, there was four brothers and two sisters. And we all became, I became friends. And their mum, I used to call their mum, mum. She's still alive now. I still call her mum. I had my mum, but I kind of took refuge in their family. And then I found myself taking refuge in a lot, in an immigrant mentality. And there's something about an immigrant mentality that was different from the white working class mentality. The immigrant mentality was much more long-term thinking. It was much more about an investment in education, a belief in yourself, and I, 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 I found myself more vulnerable and more in danger from the racist white working class elements that I was trying to avoid. And I felt safer within the immigrant community. So very early on, about the age of nine or 10, I began to reject the orthodoxy that I was born into. Not the religious orthodoxy, but the cultural orthodoxy. I mean, I, I remember my father used to go to the pub and come back and have impromptu parties, and there'd be all these men in, in our kitchen when I was a kid, and you'd come down in your pajamas and pour them drinks and things. And a lot of those men would be racist. They would talk about voting for the NF and voting for the BNP or whatever it was. And I, um, and I knew that I felt safe, safer with the people that they were disparaging. I knew that actually I felt more embraced and more encouraged and more inspired and more loved by people who who had embraced change within their lives. So that that was one of the that was one of the earliest things of me of 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 looking around and, and realizing that the culture that I, I I I was supposed to adopt I kind of rejected at a very early, early stage really. So I suppose there's two things there, aren't there? There's 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 the fact that at that point you formed a belief that um, it was possible and that a person could and that you would choose your own way. I think it was a necessity, actually. Right. It was a feeling of – it came from a feeling of anxiety and vulnerability and it was a, desire, a need to survive. I couldn't survive like that. I knew that what they were saying was wrong. I knew what, what they were saying was fake. And I couldn't live like that. So, and, and, and I remember feeling anxiety even as a child and realizing that I had to find my own way. Yeah. Did you challenge the old, the, the way, the old way, the way yeah, that... Yeah, all, all the yeah, time. Yeah. Out, out loud. Yeah. I'd have arguments yeah. with them and get sent to bed. Yeah. You know, get, you know, you should be seen and not heard and, and all that stuff. And then when I was 16, I became a born again Christian for about six or seven months. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, I became a <laughs> interesting. Which is very interesting now because if you think about it, most 16-year-olds need to rebel 
And I did the opposite. I needed to find a very, very conservative, authoritarian, dogmatic belief system that gave me all the answers. I was so much looking for the answers. Right. Because I was disorientated with even within myself. As a teenager, I never felt comfortable within myself. I never knew who I was. So I embraced this Pentecostal Christianity that was uh, that, that I was introduced to. And it was very, very, at, at times it was very reassuring, like lots of them are. It was very, they gave me the answers and I, and I adopted it. And we used to go to different churches all over the country and, and, and would pray and people would speak in tongue. I never, I never spoke in tongues. I, I was waiting to speak in tongues. I never, never happened. To me. And then there was one day when there, there was a guy within this church who I looked up to, I thought was a mate. He was very, very, he seemed to be a really kind spiritual guy. And he told me that they would, we would next week we're going to Leicester square to save homosexuals. And I said, and even I think I was 16 and I said, save them from what? I didn't didn't understand what he meant. And then he said this thing to me. He said, why you're not one. Are you Eddie? And, and it, it really shocked me because I suddenly saw this guy who I thought was so spiritual and so kind that within, within his belief system, within his dogmatism, there was a bigotry. And it suddenly frightened me. It really frightened me because I suddenly thought, oh, God, the way that morality isn't only based on your belief system. It's the way that people are dogmatic about their belief system. That, that informs as much about morality. You can, you can have the most benevolent belief system, but if you demonize all other beliefs, belief systems and, uh, and think yours is the only way, that's immoral. It will create a dogmatism and a, and a nastiness that, that cancels out all the good that you think you're doing. You it know. sounds like you almost saw the same thing there as you'd rejected in the racism. Of- in, yeah, it was in a sense, because I began to realize... I didn't know myself. I didn't, I didn't want, I, I couldn't define myself. And for years I wanted to define myself. And, and I, I, I see friends of mine now. I mean, I mean, um, the comedian Mickey Flanagan is a friend of mine and, 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 and Ray Winston is a friend of mine. These guys have a kind of success, are quite successful within that white working class culture. They're quite, they're quite good at it. Danny Dyer is very good at it. He's very charismatic. I was useless. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to be. I tried to be like them, and I and I failed miserably. So I could never. I could never define myself. And then it wasn't until I became an actor. And when I when I became an actor, I went to drama school, and, and they um they 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 get they, when you go to drama school, they teach you to 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 breathe, and we had breathing techniques for three months. And in Bethnal Green, there was a Buddhist center. And I went to the Buddhist center and I've learned breathing technique and meditation. And then I, I remember discovering this Buddhist theory called Anatman, which suddenly, which, which, although I'm not a Buddhist and I don't believe in the metaphysical realm of Buddhism, there was something about that, that definition. And when I spoke to, I asked a Buddhist monk about it. And Anatman means no self. And what it means is no fixed self that you are. The human beings aren't fixed. 
we aren't eternal souls. We are actually just part of everything else and we are subject to everything else. So what that means is that we can change, that our environment affects us and we infect our environment. And, and I, that suddenly freed me up. And then I became, at the same time as becoming an actor and realizing that my job as an actor, even very on at drama school, I was never going to be asked to be me. Some actors are asked to be them because women want to sleep with them and men want to be them. <laughs> nobody wanted to sleep with me and nobody wanted to be me. <laughs> I'm so, sure that's not true. <laughs> but what I mean is I, I knew I was never going to be a kind of Paul Newman kind of actor, you know, where so... So there was a great saying by Terence, who's this, who was this Roman. Um, oh yes, Terence, the the African, African Roman playwright, Roman. and he said, "Nothing human is alien to me." And I remember thinking, "God, that's it, isn't it?" I'm like, I've been tr I've been so lacking confidence because I couldn't define myself, and actually, the fact that I can't define myself is is my gift. Re don't define yourself. Never define yourself. Define you, but have values, but people are pure potential. They're not fixed things. And that's, and that's when I began to reject. I, I realized that all these religions, even though I, I can understand within certain communities that they form a function and human beings need a sense of identity, a, a personal and a cultural and a religious identity, actually they don't correspond to reality as it really is. Reality is always much more complex and paradoxical than these binary religions. Uh, and rather than that being an upsetting or a confusing um, idea to you, it was an empowering one. Very much so. Very much so. Because and why was that? Why was it specifically sort of empowering? Did it give you a sense of sort of agency and control or did it give you a sense of freedom? I mean, you could go both ways, couldn't you? You could say, well, that made me realise that therefore I was free um, to be whatever I wanted. Or you could also say, well, that made me realise that I, I had control over um, what I wanted to do. Which, which was it for you or was it something else? What was the empowering nature of that realisation? It, it, it was empowering, I think. It was free. I, I felt free. I felt free. free, but also it was because I was beginning to learn a profession where I was being asked to take on other personalities, other characters, and therefore you began to ask the question, what is a character? What makes a character? And so the idea that, the idea that I wasn't restricted by my own character because my own character was as ultimately as impermanent as the one I was creating on stage or in front of a camera was very liberating to me, wow. you know, very, very liberating. And, 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 and actually it's helped me, it's helped me in, 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 in many ways, all the way, all the way through my career. Then that informs a sense of social and economic and cultural morality about other people. Because the, the truth of the matter is if not, if we are all just pure potential, we have to give people the, the facilities to fulfill their potential. And is that a guiding principle for you socially, the um, giving people the opportunity to do that? Or yeah, yeah, and encouraging them. And, 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 and all, yeah, I mean, I always, I always believed that when I saw somebody being re a really famous actor, I always remember thinking, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And then morally, I always had to say, well, the, the reverse of that is true. If I can do it, they can do it. So that always informed that in a sense.
I also, because I was brought up in Tower Hamlets, like I said, and because of I kind of embraced the mixture of the of the cultures. I've always had a real aversion to anybody, to any form of racism or or prejudice. I've experienced it myself because of my class, but I've but I've seen friends of mine experience it both because of their class and race. And I and it all you know I, when I was a kid, we used to experience some really frightening things, physical violence against my friends, which were terrifying. You know, and I'm a great believer because because I because I believe we are we are all we actually don't really exist as a fixed thing. We are all subject to our environment. I do believe in the idea of there being within every human being implicit bias. I do think that. I, I think all of us have. You believe that's just an inescapable fact. Well, because I think I, I think for the last two thousand years especially in this country for, for the last thousand years, the only true human being wh- who enjoyed full rights and privileges has been a white Anglo-Saxon heterosexual Christian able-bodied male. Everybody else to a lesser degree, everybody else has enjoyed to, to a greater or lesser degree, different forms of privileges and rights. They've had let, you know, and, and all our institutions were created with that mindset. So we live within that mindset. And so we, it will affect us in different forms, in misogyny, in, in homophobia, in Islamophobia, in anti-Semitism, in racism, in all different forms. And it's subconscious. In, in many of us, I believe it's subconscious. And, and, and the way we, that we solve it is if we listen to those vulnerable minorities when they say, the things you're doing even if you don't mean to do it, they're causing us this difficulty. And we need to listen to people because we're all, I, I say, it's a bit like the concept of original sin in a sense. We are all born subject to our environment. And if our environment is imperfect, then we will be imperfect. And the more perfect we make our environment, the more perfect hopefully. The better we'll be. Yeah. yeah. But, you, but you, don't, you clearly don't believe that we're trapped. No, like not at all. So you're saying we 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 we're raised in a way. I'm just trying to sort of pin it down. You're not saying that we're irredeemable or that we're no. trapped in this forever. But no. you're saying that we just we are. We've got assumptions. We need to expose them because we can and we can change. Oh, yeah, and 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 also because because we are moving more towards a more inclusive society, which is a brilliant thing. These things are coming more into relief. They're becoming clearer. I'm not saying that it, that we're all bad. What I'm saying is that we're all works in progress. Yes. You know what I mean? I don't. I tell you what. I don't, I, I can't see how you can. You, you, if you believe in systemic bias or systemic racism, and I do, and I've seen it, and I've experienced. You know, I, I I can see it clearly. I've seen it. My friends affected by it. If you believe that, then obviously a large percentage of the racism that's within human beings will be subconscious because we're all subject to that environment and um and i also find that i think racism is basically tribalism and tribalism can also that religions are also forms of tribalism which is why I, you know they they're they're a bit like um 
metaphysical football clubs, really. That's true, actually. I was trying to think, what, what is it that people feel more strongly about, their religion or their football club? I think probably on balance, <laughs> for different people, it's more, it's different to say, difficult to say, but yeah, by, by and large. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and, you, and you, you obviously, you stand against tribalism and, and, and that way of thinking, obviously, because you, 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 there's a sort of justice uh, a concern for justice, I guess, that arises from your beliefs about people being incomplete, works in progress, and and also sh- that everyone being in the same position and therefore having um, needing to be given the the opportunity. But it also sounds to me like there's a lot of love in your world. It's mostly oh, yeah. sort of what you've said is being motivated by love, love with all the different people that you grew up yeah. with, and yeah. love now almost yeah. for all people. Is that is that right? I mean, it sounds it's all it's not been made explicit, but it sounds like. There's a lot of love in what you think about stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's all. It, basically, it's all love. I think. I think love is seeing the potential in people. It's believing that all people are pure potential. You know, I had to believe in my own potential to overcome whatever obstacles I faced, and there, and 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 so, and that's what you should do for other people. You, you I, I try to see people as potential rather than see them as fixed things if if this buddhist sent if this buddhist term of enactment means there's no fixed self then i think it's wrong to 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 demonize people to to make them into fixed things you know which is what tribalism does it always creates another there's always an other to blame there's always you define yourself by what you are not and i and i and i don't believe that really what about in your in your more personal life your domestic life has 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 the environment you were raised in altered your sort of family values, your, your values more closer to home, the way that you live? My, I, th- I think because my parents had a very difficult divorce and a very difficult marriage. My, 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 my parents, both my parents had very traumatic childhoods. So they had, they, they, they did their best, but they, and, 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 but they were affected by what what had happened for them as children, and me personally, I've tried to be as much as I can um, a responsible father to, to to be there every weekend. Even when I was shooting Ray Donovan and in L.A. on on New York for six months of the year, I would come home every weekend to 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 cook a Sunday roast and to be there as much as possible. I mean, sometimes it made things worse. They wish you weren't. But, you know, but... Um, and that's important to you. That's an important value for you now because some people who have very, very wide-ranging sense of sort of justice and love for others they sometimes can obviously neglect their own home life but i've got the impression from especially reading some things that you'd written about family in 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 the past um i got the impression that it was almost opposite for you actually that there was um that you know your your home life and your family was super important to you because of those values that you held i remember having a conversation with a sikh friend of mine um once and, and he said a really interesting thing he said what people don't realize is we are all in an ever-changing world that's changing so rapidly. We're all immigrants, all of us, in a sense, because we're all we're all living in a world that we didn't, we weren't born into, mm. you know. Mm. And and and, yeah. and and change, cultural tra- change, and uh, is so quick now that 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 we're all having to th- to to kind of adapt 
and 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 in a sense behave like like immigrants. And within my family, within my white working class family, what what poverty did for my family was it because you never had enough money to think beyond next week or two weeks. Every every decision was always made short term. There was always a short termism. So even with regards to education and and, and children's education, I mean, I left school at fifteen with no qualifications. So my it's not that my parents didn't care; they just did. They couldn't. They didn't. They they never had the the time or the. It wasn't a value for them. It, it wasn't, wasn't something value they valued because they didn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got um, one of my sisters went to university, and 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 she kind of did that on her own really but we never had that we never had the the luxury of that the psychological luxury i suppose mm. but when i was speaking to my my friend the um my sikh friend and he, he he was talking about immigrant values about that that you think long term you plan long term for your family you you think about the next generation about education about that's one of the things that i think i've adopted is the idea that 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 um, because I now live in a world that's very very different to the one I was raised in, mm. I hold on to that to that belief about my children and about the future, and and I, I try to adopt long termism as much as possible because it was something that wasn't afforded to me when I was young. I I, I, tell, you, I tell you what I do think I think being being humanist and being being embraced within that community is such a nice feeling to realize that you're not alone, to realize that there's other people who, who want, who, who have a natural curiosity, who don't want to have metaphysical or religious certainty and are comfortable with that. And I think that's been a great help for me. You know, you, you suddenly go, all oh, right, you know, we're not, it's all right not to know. It's all right. You know, it's fine not to be certain and you don't have to morality doesn't have to come from certainty at all actually it's it, it can come from reason and and and, and 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 science and 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 curiosity rather than dog dogmatism you know and I, and that's been one of the things I, I think i'm most grateful for really um is is to be i'm sure that there were there, i mean there were people like that in bethnal green we never, we never, we were the quiet voices, really. Mm, mm. I think that's been a feature probably of humanists in most times, in most places. They're usually sort of the quiet ones, living with uncertainty, you know, yeah. doing the right thing as far as they can and <laughs> just sort of, you know, getting through it and making progress, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, it, yeah, definitely. Choosing your way, living with integrity, thinking like an immigrant, combating dogmatism and supremacy, empowerment, making your own character and opportunity for all. Eddie Marston, thank you for telling us what you believe. Thank you very much. That was Eddie Marston telling us about his life and his outlook on the world as a humanist for the What I Believe podcast. What I Believe is a weekly podcast from Humanists UK, and this was the 10th episode of the third season. If you'd like to support the podcast, find out more about humanism, Humanist UK, or the work that we do, you can find out more at the Humanist UK website, humanists.uk. And if you like what you see, please consider joining as a supporter or a member. You can also, to find out more about humanism, purchase the Sunday Times bestselling The Little Book of Humanism, available now at all good bookshops. Mm -hmm.